Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would, please take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And kids, you are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. This has kind of been the premise to my message on lying, and today we give our, our big finale on lying, to walk in the ways of the Lord and to walk in holiness. Do you desire to walk in a way that is honorable and admirable unto God? Give me a wave this morning. Yes, we all do. One of the hardest things is to have to, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I have been so challenged through this, this message series on lying, and you're going, you're the pastor, and you've been challenged. Let me give you an example. When it comes to telling the truth, it means that you are accurate in what you're saying. And the more accurate you are, the more aware you will become of what you're saying. Because oftentimes we will make up excuses and we will say things for fear of rejection. We will lie for fear of rejection. We won't tell the truth for fear of rejection. Now, if, if we are going to look really at the scriptures this morning and we're going to understand truly what the scriptures have to say and, 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 and how they come to life for us, when Jesus spoke, he spoke of parables. He also spoke to say this, listen, you live an unholy life and it's time for you to change and start acting more like my father. That was Jesus' message. But we don't do that. You see, because we live in a proud and a self-centered society that we don't do that. We don't walk in the ways of the Lord because it's not befitting for us. Now, as, I, as I've been teaching this series, for me it has just been one of those things where I feel as if, hey, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. If it's in the Word of God, it's good enough for everybody. And so I've been challenged greatly in regard to lying. You heard me say that as we continue this, liar, liar, pants on fire, hanging on a telephone wire. And, you know, growing up, you know, and, I, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks, having a twin sister. And we also have, there's uh, four other siblings that I grew up with as well. And, uh, but it was just not one of those things that, that I practiced as a little boy, I was saved at nine, baptized at 13, surrendered to preach at 15, and here I am today. And, uh, but in our life, you know, if, if there comes a time when, when I, you know, if, if I was telling the truth and my twin sister was lying or my siblings were lying, I'd start crying. My mom knew right then. So really, I've mastered crying. Just kidding. And, uh, but, you know, so what ends up happening is many of us understand just what it does to our insides. What happens to us, that feeling, don't you hate that feeling of guilt that overcomes us? You know what you just said was not the truth. You know what you just did was deceitful. So here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. And I, I think it's, it's such 
a perfect verse, and it's befitting for this series. These six things does the Lord hate, and seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that sows discord among his brothers. It's interesting for me that when you look at that, there's two points into the text that the proverb is being expounded on, and it says there twice about lying. I like what it says in other translations, and I'll just quote the NIV for you. It says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. Last week, and I'll quickly give you a... a, Overview, and then we'll continue to keep going in this message. Number one, when someone asks you on Sunday morning, how are you doing? Many of us will say fine. And we went down through 11 things, and we listed those things that people will give as an excuse in their life. And, um, and then, but I want to highlight some of the promises from God's word. One, truth creates a spirit of trust. We went through that. Shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Truth exposes, exposes dangers to be avoided. Truth sets a good pattern for your life, and then truth frees us. So as we go, as we move forward this morning, what I want to do is I want to, and and the Lord just started speaking to me downstairs, and why He does that, because um, makes me start to sweat up here. But I'm going to read from a text that has nothing in my message. But I'm just going to follow you, Lord. It's Luke chapter 18. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 18 as we go through this. And I'm I'm going to try to sum up where the Lord wants me to go this morning with this message. It's Luke chapter 18. As we expound on the life of living as a Christian. See, many of you think a job of a pastor is easy, but now you're all staring at me, and I'm like, this is not in my notes. But we know who has the pen, and that's God, and he's the one who writes all the pages, right, on our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. So listen closely. I think this morning what God really wants me to say is we have believed a lie from Satan that if you're good enough, you can get to heaven. I believe we've listened and heard lies from Satan that says if you're good enough, you can get to heaven. It's very convicting for me because throughout my life I hear people tell me all the time, Pastor, he was the most righteous, good man I have ever met in my life. And I've looked at him and said, would you tell me about his conversion? When did he come to know Christ? What do you mean? He didn't know who he was. Oh, he was good. Well, do you know what Jesus had to say about good people? Good people don't get to heaven. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't have a cross that symbolizes where Jesus Christ went. Listen, it isn't the cross 
that we're worshiping. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the three and the one. And Jesus Christ went to the cross. He shed his blood for us. And that is significant. As you go to uh, a graveyard or you go to uh, any cemetery, you'll see epitaphs that, that will say certain things about certain people. That is a monument of that individual that represents or it, it says who that person is. Sometimes you'll see a picture or writing. You know, they're getting better at this all the time. And uh, you can engrave a three-dimensional picture now on your tombstone. We don't need much to say about the cross, do we? It could be blank, for he had the last word. It is finished. So let's just look at Luke chapter 18. And as we read this, I'll try to break it down as best as I can, and I'll try to bring it into perspective this morning. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. He had no respect for man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And what that means is, give me legal protection against my enemy. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge has to say. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And he spake this parable unto, a, unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Here's the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And it's very, I, this text amazes me because, did you just see what just took place? And so he started to speak a, a parable unto a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous, that they were good people, and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. A publican actually in the scripture, let me break it down, is a tax collector. People didn't have much regard for the tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as the publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. But I love what it says here. But beat upon his breast, saying, God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Here's what took place. The Pharisee, because they lived by the law, decided that he was going to stand so other people could see that the life that he lived was more righteous than the man that was the tax collector. But let me identify something that is very moving for me this morning. And here's what the scripture says. One, we have a man who said, 
I am a Pharisee. Do you see who I am? I live by the laws of the letter. I live by the commandments. I pray in the corners. Lord, you know who I am. You know what? I'm not like the rest of those people. I'm not like those other sinners. I'm not like those rude and crude and self-centered and mean. And I mean, it's all about them. Look at me, God. You see who I am? And the tax collector, which everybody said back in, in, in the Lord's, in Jesus' time, if you're a tax collector, you do not know who Jesus is. And he stood there. And he cried out. And this is what moves me in this text. He didn't say, watch this. Yeah, you, you know God. You know who I'm. I'm the guy that goes around and I have to, you know, do mean things to people. I have to collect taxes on the land and from their flocks and their harvest. Now let me just justify for about an hour who I am. Here's exactly what he did. The scripture says that he beat upon his chest. And he said, oh God, be merciful to me. I'm just a sinner. That's amazing. He acknowledged his sin before God. How many of us have believed a lie from the devil? Oh, look at my life. I give all. I give of my tithes and offerings. Matter of fact, I'm the man who gives more than anybody at New Hope. Yep, I have my special place in the third seat with my template, my plate. And I get to sit on gold every time I walk in that building. All he said was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, if we have believed a lie that we are living in a world where we have to be good, then you need to change. You need to live in a world where you're righteous and you're holy before God. See, even in my own life, as I was, as I was uh, going through this message, and I was scrubbing floors this past week, and I was thinking about this message. You know one of the thoughts that I had? God, I, I'm actually in a synagogue. I'm at a place where they're worshiping you, but they don't realize that you came, you sent your son to die for you. They, they don't understand, and they're still going through the Ten Commandments. They want to live their life by the law. It, it was amazing to me. It made me really think out my own Christian life. But see, we've put such an emphasis and we've excused and we've lied to even ourselves, and we've said this. It's okay, because guess what? I'm under the blood. I had one man tell me, I could do whatever I want to do. Jesus Christ already went to the cross and I'm under the blood of Jesus. But the Bible says... That if a man regards or hides iniquity in his heart, God does not hear his prayer. Wow. You know what that's called? That's truth. So 
So what that means is you sin, you lie, and you continue doing this. God doesn't hear your prayers. So you need to live a life of holiness. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. I've been going through these, these verses through this series because I believe it's so necessary for our walk. It is so hard. Listen, church. It's difficult to live a holy life in an unholy environment. It's difficult to live a holy life in an unholy environment. So let's continue with, with, with this text. It says then, in verse 15, And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer, little children, to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Wow. Wow. Don't you just love little people? I love little people. There was a census. I got to go back here. I got to find it. Okay. There was a This is amazing. There was a little. Uh, here's what they did. Did you ever notice that kids can be a little too honest? I got to read this. Mrs. Fisher was recovering from surgery and got a card from her fourth grade class. Dear Mrs. Fisher, your fourth grade class wishes you a speedy recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. Isn't that amazing? Because little people, they don't know. They're just honest. They tell you how they feel. They're straight up with you. We can't be straight up with people because, you know what, we're, we're so fearful of what someone will say, do, or how they'll react if we tell the truth. And But yet, Jesus is given the parable, and here's what he says. He goes, listen, come unto me like a child. Why is that? Because little people will tell you exactly how you look, whether you like it or not. That's how little people are. They're honest. They're trustworthy. So it says, don't worry about, you know, keeping the letter of the law. Go to God and just say, hey, here I am. And the kingdom of heaven is yours. Do you know why he says, come unto me as children? Because once you've arrived and you've turned 13 and you're now a mature adult and you know everything... We have to be reminded that once we say, yes, we're sinners and we need healing, we've got to go to the cross. You're so quick to judge. Everybody's quick to judge and to put down and to criticize. And yet what we need to remember is that we need to have the spirit and the heart just like a child. So we continue. I'm loving this text in, in Luke 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master. What that actually is interpreted would be good teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why call thou me good? None is good, only one, and that is 
God. Now, I know it's the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear, bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute unto the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he was sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easy, watch this, verse 25, For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The things which are possible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you. And he said unto them, Verily I say to you, There is no man that has left his house or parents or brother or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake. Who shall not receive manifold? Who shall not receive manifold? Or many times more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. So here he's saying, listen, you cannot and won't give up all that you have. See, success in America today is get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Right? Mm -mm. I'm not going to give my 10% in church today. I am not going to give. I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to do anything. You know why? Because... It took forever for me to can that stuff and sit on the can. Now I got to go take it out of the can. Are you following me with this illustration? I don't know. Okay. And give it away? I worked too hard for this. That's what the rich man was saying here. Wait a minute. Do you understand who I am? I am Mr. Somebody. I am, I mean, do you guys understand? I am Ph.D. of the D.H.D. of the C.B.E. and the E.L.B.Y. and the G.B.Z. And I've got all these letters, names, and degrees behind my name. I have arrived, and I make $30,000 a week. And you want me to leave all I have and follow you? I love, back in the day when I was doing my apprenticeship, I was down at Milford, Ohio. And there was, um, I stayed at the Bart, Bartlett family, Bob and Vinnie Bartlett. They're now missionaries to Australia. And as I was staying in their home doing my apprenticeship down there at that church, it was interesting because we sat down one evening for dinner. And and I know I've told some of you this story, but it's always funny because I thought God was going to send me to Africa or he was going to send me to China or somewhere where there was rice. I loathed rice. You see, this is my mom over here. She is a good southern cooking woman we like our meat potatoes and vegetables and now for the 25 years that i've been with this lovely lady right here she's a master of meat potatoes and vegetables i like those my girls like macaroni and cheese macaroni and cheese and macaroni and cheese that's what they enjoy but that's not meat potatoes and vegetables and uh 
And where was I going with this? Okay, but, but back on the rice. So anyhow, I hated rice. We didn't even have rice. I told you, when you preach a message and it's not in your notes, you're all messed up. And uh, so then, all of a sudden, I was, you know, here I was at a, what's wrong? Is it loud? Can you turn me down just a little bit, Pastor Luke? Yeah, just turn me down a little. We can't turn me off. And it's cracking. Okay, there. Maybe that'll help some. Maybe I'll whisper when I preach. That'll be difficult. Back to the rice story. So then, on the rice story, um, we never had rice. Thank God my mom knew that, you know, manna from heaven and holiness was mashed potatoes, not rice. And so um, I used to think, and I kept thinking this, Lord, you are, you're sending me somewhere and you're just trying to get me used to this. So I'm at Bob and Vinny's house. Guess what we're having tonight? What are we having tonight? We're having rice and chicken. The next night, what are we having tonight? We're having rice and pork. They, they weren't even foreigners. They're from Ohio. They're Buckeyes. I looked at him. I said, why do you folks have so much rice? Rice for everything. So I thought God was going to send me to a place, and I realized he sent me to North Hill, Ohio, where I've been able to have the great privilege of sitting down with our Bhutanese and Nepali folks and chowing down on some rice. Here all along, I thought he was sending me across seas, and he was only sending me right here to my backyard. And, uh, but I've now attributed a taste for that. And so when I looked at the scriptures here, and what he was saying was this. You know, you can work hard for all you have. You can store it all up. But you've got to surrender to do something that you're uncomfortable with. And I knew right then he wanted me to surrender to eating rice the rest of my life. So what did I do? I choked down that rice every single night. Now, you guys got to remember, I was just a little boy back then. I was 19. Don't you like how you change things? You have to say little boy at 19 when you finally get to a certain age. And that way, when my daughters think they're now adults, I have to, you know, kind of change it by, by the time they're 30 i'll say you know back when i was a little boy i was 30 years old and i uh, just kidding and uh, they'll be long gone married and have their phds taking care of their dad um so we'll continue to keep moving here in the message so we noticed here that he's saying come unto me don't look at what you've done don't look at the standards that you keep don't look but what's more important for me is that you live a life that is godly you live a life that is honorable and admirable as you walk before the ways of my father. So Jesus is always speaking in parables and he's keeping this going and he's keeping talking. And, and uh, so we'll continue here and then we'll conclude with our message today. Jesus then starts to talk about his passion and then he starts to give a prophetic message. Then he took unto him the 12 and he said unto them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully treated. Now, I love the interpretation of that. Spitefully actually means that Jesus Christ will be insulted. And spit on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and the saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. 
And it came to pass that as he was as he came unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the way. He was begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. They told him, Jesus, and to this young man, just be quiet. But he cried so much the more, you son of David, have mercy on me. Do you, why did he say son of David? He said son of David because he realized that Jesus Christ was in the lineage of David, the Davidic line, and that he was the Messiah. You see, we're looking at a culture that didn't believe who Jesus actually was. Was So Jesus is prophesying and he's speaking to the Pharisees and he's speaking to the Sadducees, people that kept the letter of the law, but didn't live out, you know, uh, the life of grace and the life of Christ. And so he's telling them, listen, I am Jesus. I'm the son of God and the blind man. This is what's amazing. The blind beggar says, I know who you are. And Jesus stood and I, and I like that because it says Jesus stood. But do you know what that means? Jesus came to a screeching halt on his camel. Not really. He was walking. But Jesus stopped what he was doing. So it says he stood still and commanded him to be brought into him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What will thou that I shall do unto thee? Let me give you the Todd interpretation. What would you like me to do? And he said, Lord... I want to see again. Can I please receive sight? And Jesus said unto him, Receive your sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him. I love this. Glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. So all of a sudden, he broke out with, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water. Woo! Yeah, and he was just glorifying God. Well, woke you up. He got excited. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For what you've done for me. You've restored my sight. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we tune in right now for this advertisement that are listening to this podcast. Someone's alarm clock just went off, which means I think we're done with the message today. Anyhow, back to the message. So he was glorifying God, and he was thanking him for restoring his sight. For he believed in a message of hope. He believed that when Jesus said, Oh, you sinner, you liar, you adulterer, you fornicator, You thief. It's because of God the Father that you too will be restored. 
I'm going to give you a visual illustration, then we will close this morning. Always remember that a lie will always provide a false sense of security. And as I give you this illustration, I really want you to to really see and understand. We're going to have two sides here. So I'd like to have my wife, Ron, Tracy, Megan, Lindsay, for the mic, if you'll come on up here. You know, we walk through life, and in our life, we act, we talk, and we walk a certain way. I'll never go to that church because all that's there is hypocrites. Why would I ever want to go sit by Mike, the hypocrite? Why would I ever want to go to a church where Tracy, the promise breaker, is there? She doesn't keep her promise. And then we have the guy who's a thief. Yeah, I've been watching him all week. He takes water bottles home. And he drinks coffee like it's going out of style. He'll just drink one cup, one cup. And then we have one that's called the cheater. The one that just cheats, I'll never go because that person's just a cheater. I can't play a game with her that she cheats all the time. And then we have the one that's the adulterer. <laughs> For many listening, that's my daughter. She's 17, soon to be 18, not even married. But we have, and then last, we have the liar. You see, and... Uh, in our, in our communities, within our workplace, within our family, we have many that live a life just like this. Many of you carry around the banner that says, yes, I'm a liar. Many of you carry around banners that says, I'm an adulterer. I'm a cheater. I'm a thief. I'm a promise breaker. And I'm a hypocrite. But you see, the difference between all of that is that God said that when you go to the foot of the cross, there's forgiveness and there's healing. And then all of a sudden, when you go to the cross and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and as Jesus was speaking in Luke chapter 18, and he was given the parables, what he was communicating is he was saying this, it doesn't matter what any of this stuff is. What matters most is that you take on my father's characteristics and you then become a giver. You then become honest. You then become the faithful one. You then become the truth teller. You then become a truth walker and then you become a promise keeper. And it's because of the cross of Christ that we then have... I was just going to go down the line. See, this is how my twin sister, my wife, have done it for 35 years. I turn my back and they change things up. But when you walk in the ways of the Lord, and listen, church, I want to bring this home for you today. 
It's a shoe. It's a shoe. Are you a person that walks in truth? Are you a person that keeps your promises? Are you a person that gives? Don't act like the Pharisee and say, but you see, before all mankind, look what I've given. Maybe you've been the one who's been taking instead of giving. Are you a truth teller? Are you, are you the one who's actually saying, yes, I've gone to the cross of Christ. I've laid it at the, at the altar. I've laid it at the foot of the, of the cross. And I've said, from this day forward, no matter the consequences, people will hate me. They will despise me. They will not like me. But I will always be a truth teller. Hey, men and women, are you the faithful one? Have you been so deceptive that people can't trust who you are? That your spouse can't trust you? That your siblings can't trust you? That your parents can't trust you? Because they know that you're not faithful. And then we're going to finish out this series with, You shall know the truth, and your honesty shall set you free. See, when we walk in Christ, we then take on the likeness of Christ. Some of the hardest things for me in my life is confrontation. I hate confrontation. I hate confrontation like I hate needles. Somebody says there's a needle, I'm going to scream like a girl out, the, out of that building. Or put me out, somebody's going to have to hit me with a baseball bat. So I hate confrontation. Because you see, you have to be honest and faithful. You have to tell the truth. You have to give. You have to keep your promise. And you have to walk. If you're going to talk one way, you have to be the same way. Is that you? Have you been living a life that's truly honorable before God and before man? Thank you. You may be seated. You can just take this with you. You know, I'll complete this message this morning. With if you were to ask Jesus, how do I look? What would he say? What signs would he hang around your neck? Liar, hypocrite, cheater. We all carry those signs to one extent or to another. You've broken promises to your family. You've broken even promises to God. When you asked Jesus to be your Savior, you promised Him your life. When you asked Jesus to be your Savior, you promised Him your life but you've taken it back so many times. So why don't you come this morning and bring it to the foot of the cross and leave it there. Maybe you've been lied to so many times that you have trouble trusting Jesus. Then here's a glorious thought. Jesus is not like us. Isn't that wonderful? It is impossible for him to lie. He has kept every promise to you that he ever made. 
He promises salvation to those who will call upon Him, admit their own sinfulness, believe that He died to pay for their sins, and rose again back to life and commit their whole life into His hands. He said, it is finished. And He came and He did. He kept His promise. He promises forgiveness if we will confess our sins to him we have failed over and over again in our attempts to keep our promises to jesus but he has never failed to keep one single promise to us if we shall confess our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's jesus would you come to him today? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never made a promise to him, would you come today? If you haven't kept your promise, would you come to him today? Jesus wants to make you whole. And he wants you to live a life of victory. As the praise team comes, let's all stand to our feet. And we're going to sing a song called At the Foot of the Cross. So fitting for today. As we sing this song, I just want you to lay it down. Give God your all. Listen, church, it doesn't matter who's around you. If you can't make it up here to this altar, kneel down. You sit at your seat and you just have a one-on-one time with God and you give it to Him today. Put aside your pride. Put aside your pride. Quit being a Pharisee and give it all to Him. May I challenge you. Will you make a promise to him this morning? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the parables that were even told. And Father, I just pray that you will continue to to just, Lord, bless and anoint those that need to come, Lord, to seek your face. God, help us to not be hypocrites, liars. Thieves, the Lord help us to be givers and promise keepers and truth tellers and honest and even truth walkers that will walk in truth and will walk in the light of Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to all live a life that honors you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Would